Hi, it's Bonnie here. Thanks for joining me this week on The Leader. We hope you enjoy today's news, interviews and analysis from the Evening Standards newsroom. And if you're a new listener, thanks for giving us a shot. If you like it, hit subscribe. And if you have a moment, give us a rating too. Now, from The Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm Bonnie Christian. London's reopening. It's really important that we do what we can to support our local bars, cafes, restaurants and pubs that have really struggled over the last uh, 100 days. But what I'd say to Londoners is please realise we're still in the midst of a global pandemic. The virus is still there. A pint, a restaurant meal, a wedding. It's been months, but July 4th, or what some are calling Super Saturday, will see life return to the capital. Mayor Sadiq Khan is encouraging Londoners to get out and enjoy the city, but he warns, do it sensibly. And Many of these young girls were underage, so could not give consent or informed consent anyway. She's an absolutely crucial person in getting us closer to the tangled truth. Evening Standard columnist Anne McElvoy says her former acquaintance Ghislaine Maxwell's arrest gives hope to finding the truth to the many questions left unanswered by Jeffrey Epstein's death. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, London's open, but let's not forget we're in the middle of a pandemic. This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. My message is, let's not blow it now, folks. We've done a fantastic job so far in bearing down on this disease collectively. Let's not blow it now. Prime Minister Boris Johnson told LBC the country is in good shape to reopen as the country's pubs and restaurants prepare for a so-called Super Saturday. In the capital, the streets will come alive with groups of friends and family who haven't seen each other in three long months. And it's likely this milestone will be a big celebration. Emergency services say they're preparing for a night that could be as big as New Year's Eve. Our editorial column asks, will there be carnage or can we hold on to the positive changes we saw during lockdown? Has lockdown changed us for the better or for the worse? On the one hand, it revealed a London that is compassionate and community-minded. On the other, it has unleashed a spate of loud, drunken, antisocial behaviour. 
In recent weeks, the city's parks have been covered with litter. Much social distancing advice chucked out the window. The question may be settled as soon as tomorrow's Super Saturday. That will be a reward for months of abstemiousness in lockdown. It will also be an opportunity for irresponsible behaviour that could undo the good work by triggering a second spike. Londoners should not throw it all away. There is a fragile truce with the virus right now, with our economy and many businesses hanging in the balance. Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, says this is an exciting moment we've all been waiting for, but we cannot forget that the threat of COVID-19 is still very real and we will still need to respect social distancing. He joins me now. Mr Mayor, do you think the decision to reopen on Saturday is the right one? It's really important that we do what we can to support our local bars, cafes, restaurants and pubs that have really struggled over the last uh, 100 days. But what I'd say to Londoners is please realise we're still in the midst of a global pandemic. The virus is still there. So, you know, shop locally and do it in a way that's uh, calm, that's respectful and that's uh, safe. If I was in charge uh, nationally, I would have done it on a Saturday, but we are, we are. The key thing is to remember this isn't New Year's Eve. This isn't a Super Saturday. Yes, support local businesses, but do it in a way that's safe, that's calm and that's respectful. There's been some silver lining to come out of the lockdown in terms of lower pollution, people are taking up cycling, but we have seen some negative impacts, uh, particularly as it eases. How can London come out of lockdown and hold on to those positive changes that we've seen? We've lost in the city more than 8,000 fellow Londoners because of this uh, awful pandemic and our thoughts are with their their, their families and their uh, friends at this difficult time. But actually there are, and I feel you know, awful saying this, but there are some silver linings and some opportunities, we can make sure that we don't return to business as usual, but have a new normal where we you know, use this as, a, as an opportunity to have more walking and cycling, to value you know, our, our social life and you know, the work-life balance. Uh, think about some of the things that we have been doing before the pandemic, whether we should still carry and do those going forward. I'm really keen to make sure that we learn the right lessons going forward, but also re- I realise that actually it's been a huge, huge hardship financially to people but I think there's a link between lives and livelihoods and health and wealth. So as we have a new normal, it's really important that the transition and the recovery recognises there are some opportunities provided by this awful virus. So, for example, is it acceptable that so many Londoners are on zero-hour contracts and work in the gig economy, and so they felt they had no choice but to work and risk their lives? Is it right that the, num- the numbers of uh, uh, disproportionate Londoners, you know, disproportionate in relation to black, Asian, minority, ethnic Londoners who've been affected by COVID-19, the deprivation, the poverty that's linked with some of them losing their lives. And so as we come out of this lockdown, there's an opportunity for us to address some of the uh, unfairnesses that have been uh, that, have, that have had a, you know, a spotlight shone upon them by COVID-19. People are going to be eager and excitable seeing their mates and going to the pub in the first time in months. What message do you have for Londoners? Well, I understand we're all human. Uh, there is a sense of uh, release as we're you know, easing lockdown and coming to this Saturday. All I say to fellow Londoners is look, I'll be going to my local cafes and restaurants and looking forward to having a good quality coffee and uh, decent you know, sandwich and stuff. But it's really important that we understand that we're still in the midst of a global pandemic. So, you know, try and avoid giving your mates hugs and kisses. You can't do that. It's not safe. Uh, don't, you know, drink throughout the day, which means towards the end of the day, you may behave in a way that you wish you hadn't. 
we've got extra police around this Saturday. I'm really keen that we don't create extra work for them. So please remember we're in the midst of a global pandemic. What none of us wants to do in two weeks' time is talking about a spike caused by people this Saturday not respecting the rules of social distancing and not inadvertently leading to the virus spreading. For the Mayor's full letter to Londoners, pick up today's edition of the Evening Standard or head to standard.co.uk. Now I'm joined by Professor Carol Sikora, the founding Dean and Professor of Medicine at University of Buckingham Medical School. Professor Sikora, what happens if social distancing isn't followed on Saturday? It increases the chance of infection. So the two things that do this are the closeness you are to someone and the time you spend close to them. And obviously any touching, any contact from the air droplets that you spit out, so if you start shouting, if you start singing, uh, if you start coughing, all these things uh, contribute to an increased rate of infection. And uh, there's no doubt that will increase in uh, the relaxed environment of people having a good time in a bar uh, and therefore more people come out that bar infected. I think what we'll see tomorrow is uh, more of the return to the old days, the celebration of returning to the old days. It's too early to actually celebrate the end of the pandemic now. Maybe in two or three months, if all goes well, we'll be able to do that. You've mentioned that we're at a crucial point in lockdown. What do you mean by that? Well, if you look at the data, and the best data is Public Health England's weekly report, we're now week 27. Everything looks just fantastic. It's all going down. The mortality's gone right down. Hospital admissions are right down. Uh, So everything's going great. The problem now is you suddenly could have a surge and um, that's what we'll have to wait and see. Uh, it's, it's a good experiment in many ways to see what happens because it'll be predominantly younger folk. The vulnerable probably won't go to the pubs, which is great, and the older people won't go to the pubs because they're still scared. So uh, let's see what happens. And uh, hopefully nothing, no blip. And if that's the case, we can go on with our lives with more security. But the pubs are the key. The restaurants are not the problem. Next. It's a fascinating and dark and perplexing saga how someone could start life with every possible benefit and end up falling so very far. As Ghislaine Maxwell faces charges, Anne McElvoy tells us what she was like in the 80s as a British socialite. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
announced charges against Ghislaine Maxwell for helping Jeffrey Epstein sexually exploit and abuse multiple minor girls from the period of 1994 through 1997. Outside a multi-million dollar mansion in New Hampshire on Thursday, Ghislaine Maxwell, a British socialite and alleged enabler of Jeffrey Epstein, was arrested over allegations she helped the disgraced financier, her former boyfriend, identify and befriend and groom girls, including one as young as 14. When Epstein died last August as he awaited trial on sex trafficking charges in a Manhattan prison cell, Many women he was accused of abusing lost their chance at justice and unanswered questions loomed over his far-reaching connections with the rich and powerful, including Prince Andrew, Donald Trump and Bill Clinton. Anne McElvoy knew Ghislaine in the 80s as a socialite with bulletproof confidence. Anne, is there now some hope? We'll get some answers. Ghislaine Maxwell is the most important figure in this saga still uh, alive obviously apart from the young women who've been telling their stories because what she will come under great pressure to do now that she is facing charges and they're very serious charges is that she will attempt to explain from her point of view how this situation arose and could continue for how many years. She will also, I think, come under considerable pressure from the prosecutors and possibly also as part of a plea deal to reveal other big names in this group. And she will explain, or at least be put on test to explain, what it was actually that she thought that she was doing. And is she going to make the argument that this was consensual? And if she isn't, how is that going to relate to that? Many of these young girls were underage, so could not give consent or informed consent anyway. She's an absolutely crucial person in getting us closer to the tangled truth. You knew a different side of Ghislaine in the 80s. What was she like? Ghislaine Maxwell was at Oxford the same time I was. She was a few years older, but just with courses and dates and times that you were there. She was a properly close friend uh, of a late friend of mine. So I would see her around. She moved in quite elevated social circles. She was always, I think, in some ways older than her years and kept the company of those older than her years. But that was partly because she was immensely wealthy. And being the daughter of Robert Maxwell, the newspaper proprietor, who was an extraordinary figure, a bullying but also a bullying figure, gave her pretty much one of the pole positions, I would say, in social life in Oxford and in London of that era. She fled to New York after her father died. Why was that? When her father was alive and their family home was in Headington, Headington Hall outside Oxford, this vast uh, pile of a house where Robert Maxwell also conducted many of his professional operations. That was a place where Ghislaine Maxwell and her siblings could throw parties, they could entertain, but you always had the feeling it was on terms of her father, who could be a very controlling figure, and I think probably uh, in some ways set her up for, for what has ensued in her life, although the decisions of her own. I think he saw Ghislaine's social life as an adjunct 
of his professional appeal, his reach, how important he was. And that idea, which is hard to recapture, of what it was to be in that circle of Robert Maxwell and his huge self-belief. But things had to be on his terms. After her father fell from his yacht, actually called the Lady Ghislaine, which gives you an idea of the centrality of Ghislaine, in her father's very opulent life. She fled to New York. The family business was in great trouble. It was debt-laden. There had been double dealings. The whole thing collapsed like a pack of cars. And that was about the last time that I ever encountered Ghislaine Maxwell in London. I, I saw her really on and off in the room, often in, in social settings in New York. She was a relentless socialite, which is also how she could build up this network of, of formidable contacts. I'm sure we're going to hear about in any court case and how she got close to Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein. She certainly saw in him a way to relaunch her life. She tried various biz business ventures, which didn't seem to go anywhere. And I think managing... His life, his multiple properties, this extraordinary in and out of going to his private island and everything that he felt he needed to service that life became her job. And very much unfortunately, what then came with it were his rapacious sexual demands and his demands for young women, which he came to see as part of the job that was required of her that she went along with, that she appears, at least is alleged, to have been very proactive in soliciting and encouraging. And the question for me is how could someone who certainly needed to make a new life in New York, but how could you start from that position and end up on the low moral territory that she ended up operating in? While she still thought of herself as a sophisticated, friendly outgoing person. That was the way she would still present herself even a few years ago as this storm cloud was breaking. Yes, was there any outward sense that she was wrapped up in this other world with Jeffrey Epstein? I think I first realised that something might be amiss when I was meeting people who knew Ghislaine Maxwell well. They were doing something and said, we're talking to each other along the lines of, do you think it's okay if Ghislaine comes? And being completely out of the loop and out of any gossip network about Jeffrey Epstein, other than you could see that he, he hung around with a lot of, of younger women, but there, there wasn't at that point any outright proof of anything untowards. I thought, what a funny way to put the question. Rather naively, I would have said, well, why not? People know her. She's had this group of, of people both sides of the Atlantic. So it would be very strange to say, well, why are you inviting this person? And uh, we talked about our, our late friend that we had in common when she did actually show up to something. And she said he had died very tragically of a drug overdose and had been in all the papers. And she'd said, isn't it tragic? She'd had a good time with him. And she said, isn't it tragic how life plays out? And I think it was only later that I realised that she was at the beginning of the great unravelling of Jeffrey Epstein's criminal behaviour towards young women and her part in it. But no, it wasn't something that she gave any sign of. I don't cut Ghislaine Maxwell any slack. I know and I have friends in the US who say she was controlled by Jeffrey Epstein, that she had little or no choice. But I know Ghislaine Maxwell was a, a highly intelligent, even at a young stage of life, quite an intellectual young woman. She was really capable of understanding every step of the way. And that is the awful story here. Of course, the real victims 
are these girls and women who were abused. The real victim is not Ghislaine Maxwell, but it's a fascinating and dark and perplexing saga how someone could start life with every possible benefit, father on a pedestal, a bit of pressure, but certainly nothing like hardship many other people endure and end up falling so very far. And that's The Leader. You can find more on those stories by picking up a copy of The Evening Standard or visiting standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from The Evening Standard. David Marsland returns next week. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss out.